Hello there, I'm Patrick Stroth, trusted authority in executive and transactional liability and president of Rubicon M&A Insurance Services. Now a proud member of Liberty Company Insurance Brokers, a nationwide network of specialized insurance brokerages. Welcome to M&A Masters, where I speak with the leading experts in mergers and acquisitions. And we're all about one thing here, that's a clean exit for owners, founders, and their investors. Today, I'm joined by Michael Corman, managing partner of NCK Capital. Based in Dallas, NCK Capital acquires controlling interests in lower middle market companies and takes them to the next level with right fit capital structures, inspiring management incentives, and nurturing support. Michael, I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Patrick. So, Michael, before we get into NCK Capital and what you're doing, which I think is next level uh, with transitions and so forth, which our, our audience is really going to enjoy, let's set the table and we'll start with you. What brought you to this point in your career? Yeah, so, uh, you know, my brother and I uh, founded NCK Capital in 2014. And before that, we had built and run a number of lower middle market businesses in, in a few different industries. And so we felt we were well positioned to, to add value to the, you know, lower middle market companies and also had a unique perspective where we, you know, walked in the shoes of a lot of founders. We've, we've dealt with the, the same issues they, they've dealt with and, and understand those on an intimate and very personal level. And so we, uh, we thought we'd be, uh, we'd stop building companies, you know, from, from a dead stop and start, start investing uh, in the lower middle market. And now as we transition to NCK Capital, I always like to find out about companies, you know, how they're named because NCK Capital is not necessarily your initials. So give us that background, then walk in and tell us about NCK Capital. My last name is Cornman with a K. So everybody assumes that it's something, something Cornman, but that's not it at all. Um, Grant and I have three daughters, Natalie, Claire, and Kate. And uh, we, we were originally going to name the, the company oldest to youngest. So Claire, Kate, Natalie, we, we got the URL, we were building out the marketing materials and, and, and it kept looking like chicken capital. And so we just, we just couldn't deal with that. So we rearranged the letters. We got to NCK um, and it's, and it's our, uh, our, our, our daughters. Uh, Grant does have a son. He came after we, we founded the firm. He's still, he's still, you know, a beneficiary. So it's okay. Well, yeah, we'll we'll find something separate for him down the road. That'll be something. It's amazing. You are not the first guest to, um, you know, share with us that getting the URL had a big role in how the name ultimately came out. So it's, it's just one one thing for the new age. Now you're focusing on the lower middle market. You've been around for a little while here. So explain why lower middle market. What is it about that? And and your thought process. Yeah, we, we, we love the lower middle market. It's a, it's a great way. It's a great place to build value. You know, there's, there's so many lower middle market companies and there's so much capital in the middle market that need folks like us to grow these companies to the scale that they need so that they can invest in them. And so we're generally the first institutional capital, not always when we have, we have two portfolio companies that we, we acquired from other private equity firms. But generally, we focus on family or founder-owned businesses, and we, we love it because it's there's just it's it, the market seems endless, and 
you know, our story, we're a family, uh, you know, Grant and I built the firm. There's other people here now, but, uh, you know, it, it really resonates with sellers. And so we've, we've had, we've had good results. Yeah. And I, I think that in addition to having the lower middle market, it's a, it's a vast market out there. I think that's where you can really make big change because so many owners and founders, they're, they work hard, they're very successful, but they can only get a company, their company to grow so far. And then they get to that inflection point where they're, you know, they're, they're too big to be small, they're too small to be enterprise, and they don't know how to take that next step. And it gets scary because it, without organizations like NCK Capital out there, you know, they may default and either go with a very large institution or a brand or go to a, you know, a strategic, which may not necessarily have their best interests in mind. And so the more options that are out there and the awareness that we can we can bring to the lower middle market is our way of serving this market. Because if, if they don't know about this, they're at risk of being underserved and overcharged. And, and we can't do that to the owners and founders out there because they're, they're the back backbone out here. A big distinguishing element of NCK Capital is that you do, and you mentioned this on your site, you target family-owned businesses as opposed to startups and so forth. Talk about that focus a little bit more. Why that's so personal? Is it just because you guys, you and your brother are family? Yeah, we've walked in their shoes. We've dealt with uh, the, the, the issues that, that small business owners deal with. Um, and these are, I mean, make no bones about it. These are small businesses still. I mean, we, we, we invest in companies with two to 10 of EBITDA and our sweet spot is really like two to six. So uh, these, these companies definitely are in the early stages of their, of their life cycle. And, you know, we have, we've, we understand what it's like to have invested personal capital over a long period of time. We understand what it's like to, to build out an organization where you, where you have real issues with people and, and challenges and, and you know you, you've, you've fought in the trenches alongside those people for a long time. We understand what it's like to build a culture and develop that culture and how important that culture is to founders. And you know so we're user friendly. that's really important to us. Um, and, and I think that's that's one of the reasons we've been successful. One of the things I think is really exciting because I mean, you're coming from an operating background, so you're not trying to kind of financially engineer these these organizations, you know, from maybe you know performance to great performance just by cutting expenses and, and moving moving around numbers. I think you got an operational tool. I'm just curious with some of the things that, that you've experienced. Have you ever had the experience where you're sitting with the, the portfolio company, the management team, and they, they put their trust in you. And you talk about, well, we're going to try doing X, Y, and Z. And you just see this epiphany where they just look and they just like, I, I didn't expect that. Wow, we can do that. I, did you have any kind of things? This is kind of off script, but you know, th- those things happen. It happens. It happens regularly. And it's really fun to see. I mean, so our focus at NCK is, is, in addition to buy and build, which is obviously a common common strategy in, in private equity, we really focus on companies that where we can we can um, get organic growth, and we think that that you know that's that's really important. We we like businesses with high EBITDA to cash flow conversion that that we can we can grow organically. We like businesses that um, we can deploy. Uh, 
um, you know, whether it's a digital marketing strategy or a, or a, a more sophisticated sales and marketing marketing strategy, or you know, or or some you know some of the more traditional people process and technology and operations. You know, we we like businesses that we can grow in a way that a founder would understand. And so those, those conversations are do happen, and it's and it's fun to to riff and collaborate with with founders and sellers. And oftentimes, you know, sellers are, are rolling over a substantial amount of equity. And, you know, that's, that's an important part of our process is educating them on kind of how, how we approach the world, um, what we're going to do uh, post-transaction and explain to them, you know, kind of our excellent returns. And, and, and that, that, that helps us win deals as well. Well, I think one of the scariest things out there for anybody, I just, from personal experience, I'm getting emails constantly about, marketing, lead list strategies, all these things. And I can imagine, you know, if you're the owner or the founder, you're you're operating your business, you need to get sales up. You don't know how, and it's such a gamble. I mean, it can be very expensive. If you don't know what you're doing, it's really, really scary. So I think that your experience there on helping them bridge that gap on, you know, opening marketing channels, sales, bringing in people, those are all the, the scariest things for owners and founders because they have so much to risk and you give them peace of mind because not only do you have the resources, you've got the experience and you can just walk them through that. I mean, some of these founders want to stay on and continue to run the business, but want to take a substantial amount of money off the table. And, you know, their, their analysis up to this point is, Hey, I can grow this business, but I'm, it's going to reduce my distributions. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to go it alone where you know we we come in and we're you know we we're a team so it's 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 a lot of fun to collaborate with these with these folks and um the the leverage you get is is huge yeah well now i'm going to go back to something we talked about at the very beginning about there are a couple of elements that distinguish what nck capital does again I, as a Californian, it's like the software approach with business, but you were doing a couple of things here. If you could just give us a sentence or two, just how do you mean it? And we'll start with right size capital structures. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, that's a really great, great question. Um, in the lower middle market, these small in the, in the lower end of the lower middle market, when you start to start to grow these businesses, there's definitely a, a J curve. There's definitely a, a dip in EBITDA, and so you you just have to make sure that that you're you're planning for that because if you if you and, and generally it's through over equitizing the business, but if you use debt or the wrong kind of debt or or too much debt rather we all use debt, but it, it can be it can really be painful and disruptive in the in the early um, part of the investment period. So we just like to make sure that that, you know, we're set up for success and, you know, there may be a, you know, period where things, things are a little less smooth than you'd like. I mean, generally the inflection point in our experience is two years. Uh, the first two years you're, you're investing, you're growing, and, you know, it really takes about 18 months to two years for the EBITDA to really, really EBITDA growth to materialize. And that, that's the, the, the term that a lot of people tie in with family offices. They call that patient capital, but, you know, if, if you know that out front that you've got this time window, don't panic. Let's just go through it. And I mean, at our age now, 18 months goes by really quick. 
you're going to get to the other side. So you bring that on. I think that's very helpful because it also brings the temperature down, especially following, you know, the closing. I'm sure management as they roll over, they want to hit the ground running and they're, they're very you know stressed. They want to make a good impression. Relax. You know, you walk that. So that, that's a great way to ensure success. The other thing you mentioned is not just management incentives, but inspiring management incentives. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so a lot of times we're we're recruiting um, managers from outside the business, and and that's where you know you, you you experience a lot of a lot of growth just hiring fantastic people that you know the, uh, uh, some of these businesses just haven't had exposure to people of this quality and sophistication uh, before, and and so you know our focus is we really we really view those management teams as partners, and and, and I know a lot of people say that you know, we're really focused on wealth creation for them. And that is, um, we want to make sure that they're, they're focused on the long run. They're focused on, you know, ultimately the exit. And, you know, we, we get really excited when, when, when our, our management team partners uh, build considerable amounts of wealth in, in these, in these deals. Kind of, kind of fun, kind of fun when you watch that. Uh, the the, the and it, it's, it ensures just everybody everybody's interests are aligned and why why wouldn't that be because I I'm personally have an abundance mindset so if that's being passed out that just only inures to the benefit of all which is which is fantastic and it also speaks to a track record for future investments down the road and I think I think that is just credibility that can't be questioned. Uh, the, the final thing you talk about, and again, as as Californians, we look at this. We've talked about nurturing and culture and things, which I, there are a lot of people that look at that sideways, maybe five, ten years ago. But then the book uh, Infinite Game came out with Simon Sinek, and you're seeing a change in mindset with management looking at things like culture, where they are they are like grading it, they are measuring it, and so forth. Let's talk about what you do when you're talking about nurturing. Yeah, well, the, the first thing we do when you talk about culture, well, we provide a lot of support to our management companies. Um, I've never walked in, I'm sorry, to our management teams. I've never walked into a, a company where people were sitting idle and they were, they had a lot of extra capacity. But we, you know, they're, they're dealing with, you know, day-to-day issues running a business. And we all agree as a, as a, as a team, that there are certain initiatives that can can add a lot of value that, that may, may require outside resources. It may be us at NCK Capital, it may be, a, it may be the right consultant, but we, it could be something like um, sourcing the right vendor uh, for a, a digital marketing initiative. It could be uh, selecting a new site for you know, a, a new location, geographic expansion. It could be really, really anything that an ex- executive team member would do that they may not have have capacity to do. So we'll, we'll parachute in, we'll help, we'll work alongside the management teams and, 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 and get those high value initiatives completed. But we also, back to the culture discussion, we, we really believe it's important to understand the culture of the business and understand the people. And no matter how much diligence you do, it's really hard to, to understand that completely pre-acquisition. So, when it comes to culture, which we think is an incredible accelerant for, for value creation and growth, we take a, uh, I wouldn't say a passive approach, but a more patient approach in stepping back and observing and, and learning. And, and that's, 
that's just, you know, I think there's a lot of everybody's pressure to move fast in this business. I think that's one place where you just can't move, move that quickly. Yeah, I, I think that's everybody mistakes culture for, well, we've got a very formal dress code, you know, attitude versus, uh, uh, you know, relaxed dress code. No, it's how you do things. There are some some organizations that are comfortable just, you know, putting as much, uh, throwing as much on the wall as possible, see what sticks. There are others that want to go step by step on a process. And, you know, you've got to get that that kind of synced up. And 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 you do this. And I'm, I'm remiss. Are there particular industries uh, that, that you, you target? Yeah, so we really like services businesses, and that could be um, any service that provides an essential uh, service to another, any business that provides an essential service to another business. Could be a tech-enabled service. It could be an environmental service company. It could be a, we have a building services company in our portfolio. Re- really, we like healthcare services um, of certain types. We really like all, all, all sorts of service businesses. We also kind of what it's a little bit different and, and not in everybody's investment criteria is we really like for-profit education. Uh, we have two, well, we just exited one. We have two vocational schools in our portfolio and, um, and uh, really, really like uh, education uh, businesses of all types, not just schools. Uh, specialty distribution um, businesses, we're working on one now. And then niche manufacturing, um, where we, uh, those are our four buckets. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. When we talk about mergers and acquisitions in the lower middle market, we're dealing with, you know, two parties. We got one party that is, that's experienced, that's almost always the buyer. And then the less experienced is the seller where they don't sell their business every day. This is usually their one time. And when you have situations where you have a, a deficit of experience, Fear and distrust can come in uh, where, you know, one side saying we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and this is market, this is how it works. And then the unfamiliar side is just like, wait a minute, I, I didn't see this coming. And so there's always a real danger for these deals happening is they look good on paper, but when you're dealing with people, okay, we've got those elements of, of, of fear and greed out there. You can't get around that. And so as you go through the myriad of the process with due diligence and everything else, there are all these things can sidetrack a deal. And sometimes it comes down to the people. What we're very proud about in the insurance industry is we found ways because with fear, it's fear of risk and fear of loss of, of money and so forth. And what's been nice is the insurance industry has come in with an insurance product called Refs and Warranties Insurance. The buyer suffers a financial loss as a result of a breach of the seller reps. Now, the seller is looking at this thing, wait, I've disclosed everything to you. You've done diligence. If I didn't know it, I didn't know it. And the, and the buyer says, I'm sorry, this is market. We have to do this. We have to you know, put this little backstop on. It's what everybody does. And, and we just have to do this go forward. And so there's an element of distrust. Well, if you've got a rep and warranty policy, in, all of a sudden, an insurance policy takes the place of the seller's indemnity obligation. Seller gets a clean exit. If the buyer suffers a loss, buyer's made whole. And so it's just been a real revolutionary product that's accelerated uh, deals getting close successfully. It's lowered the temperature. It's done a lot of wonderful things. But, you know, don't take my word for it. You know, Michael, good, bad, or indifferent. What experience have you had with rep and warranty insurance? I mean, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? I mean, we, we, we just exited one of our portfolio companies. So reps and warranty warranties policy there, it, you know, of course, 
reduced the escrow, maximized proceeds to the seller. It it, it made negotiation of of the purchase agreement considerably easier. And you know we're excited being in the lower middle market that that that's now available. It obviously started in the middle market and 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 is is uh, you know a tool that is available to us in the lower middle market and. I just, we, we use it everywhere we can. Well, I'm very pleased because, you know, especially for the lower middle market, there's been a little bit of a threshold because while Repimorty does come down to smaller deals, there's, there's a point at which the cost for due diligence to be eligible becomes a barrier to entry. And this is largely on deals where the transaction value starts falling below 20 million. A lot of buyers do not want to incur the expense to do all the diligence to get there. And at this time in 2021, the insurance industry is so full with the larger deals, there's absolutely no bandwidth to even entertain small deals. What I'm very excited about is that there is a new facility out there that provides a sell-side policy, but it's one where it's designed exclusively for micro-market deals where the transaction value goes from under a million to 10 million where the policy can insure that deal all the way to full transaction value up to 10 million. There is no underwriting fee. There is no diligence process required. It's just an application and it's designed to address that area. And, you know, we're using this as a platform to get the word out because even though a lot of lower middle market deals are involving companies larger than 10 million, you always have add-ons. And it's really nice if you can backstop, uh, you know, a sub $10 million add-on where the seller has a policy at the seller's expense so the buyer has some protection. And so it's called TLPE. So I want to make sure that we just make a mention of that because for NCK Capital, for as they go on, this could be a fit on some areas where the traditional rep and warranty policy just, just doesn't work. Sounds like a fantastic tool to have in the toolbox, especially for add-ons. So. Um, that can make make that a, make those a lot easier. Yeah, well, thank well, thank thank thanks a lot, thanks a lot for your comments uh, on this. I'm glad that you know you got you got that one deal done. It's interesting. We're we're kind of curious with, with private equity. The the view of private equity is they are very reluctant to incur uh, insurance premium expenses if they can transfer risk. However, they can limit their expenditures. They they won't hesitate. Rep and warranty is the one exception where they they gladly go. And, and I'm, I'm very proud because it's been the good performance by the insurance companies. They've kept their word. They've delivered on claims. And so we're very, very happy. But as we get back into, you know, NCK Capital, Michael, we're I mean, I blinked and we're already planning for 2022. You know, could you tell share with us what trends do you see as we go end of 2021? into 2022, either macro or NCK Capital in particular? You know, sentiment is mixed. Some people think that, you know, there's going to be reduced deal volume in 2022 and and every and, and some of the proposed tax changes were driving the, or anticipated tax changes were driving 2021. Uh, you know, deal volumes, obviously 2021 was incredibly busy for everyone. Uh, you know, I'm a little more optimistic. I think there's, I think there's um, a lot of businesses that are waited to come to market due to, you know, they wanted to get some, some, some time away from the pandemic. And I think there's going to be an enormous number of great businesses in the marketplace. One of the things that I, I think that we've, we've seen just from a deal structure standpoint is 
Um, you know, it's been more structure in deals this year than, than, I mean, earnouts were dead pre-pandemic. I mean, they were just, they just weren't, weren't very commonly used. And you're starting to see those more and more. And I think that's really interesting. Um, so I, I think that's going to be, I, I think that trend may continue on into 2022 as well. I, I agree. I, I, I see no end in sight with, with M&A. And I think that we're just going to get a lot more creative as we go forward. And I think that tax issues, taxes are going to go where taxes are going to go. The, the, that should never be your primary motivator for doing things. I also agree there have been a lot of sellers that have been on the sideline because they're kind of refilling their balance sheets and uh, just upping, upping their value uh, as, as they go along. Well, Michael Corman with NCK Capital, how can our audience members find you? Yeah, uh, our, thank you for asking. Our, uh, our website is nckcapital.com. You can find both Grant and I there. Um, and, uh, you know, really a pleasure to, to chat with you today, Patrick. It's, it's a great podcast. I listen to it regularly, and I, I was honored that you invited me on. So, so thank you very much. Thank you so much. And I, I will just, as a shameless plug for NCK Capital, I would say to him, we've got quite a few audience members out there that are family-owned uh, businesses that are owners and founders out there. I, give NCK Capital a quick look, especially because I think they've got a soft spot for you and that always works to everybody's benefit. So, Michael, thank you again. Thank you so much. 